this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Outdoors in partnership with Warriors Quest is brought to you by Martin Archery, the number one archery company. Martin Archery combines leading edge modern technology with innovative design to give serious bow hunters and target archers what they demand. Axis Camera Arms for a camera arm that offers a smooth, full range of motion without restriction, lightweight, easy to pack, the name speaks for itself the Axis Revolution. Conquest Sense for more than 15 years, Conquest Sense has been selling premium hunting sense to hunters around the country. Bojax Inc., the best designed archery dampening system. Simmons Optics, everything you need, nothing you don't. Ozonics, undetectable, undeniable. Dry shod waterproof footwear, the most wearable rubber boot. Veteran innovative products, VIP broadheads. The first and only scalpel sharp broadhead with dual spring variable cutting width suspension for superior penetration. Elevated safety systems. Rancho Rio Lindo in Uvalde, Texas. Piney Woods Hunting Lodge in Eufaula, Alabama. I guess since we're actually recording, uh, we did <coughs> get a new product this week. You're right, we did. We pulled yeah. a new sponsor for the for the uh, Under Pressure Outdoors tip of the week, which is the. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, man, you'll catch me yeah. Off guard again on the. Oh, we ain't even there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's uh, it's the ratchet jacket. Actually, I, I work with the guy, and uh, they seem to be give them, give them a like on Facebook and and pick up some of their products. Uh, we're gonna start giving them a shot. It's basically like a a sleeve type deal. Now you can either put the actual ratchet itself inside of it, or just the like the strap. But uh, you put it on like where you would put it on a corner or like that RCP that I had in the truck to that concrete pipe. Yeah. I thought I had my ratchet jackets with me. I could have put a ratchet jacket on that edge of it and it wouldn't have frayed or it, it ain't going to cut my ratchet strap. Yeah. It ain't going to cut your ratchet strap or like on my boat. Now I'm going to use them on my boat because my strap wears on that decking on the back. Yeah. And so I put it in that ratchet jacket. It, well, the, it, ratchet, the ratchet jacket also too is a lot different than shoving a towel or something yeah it's actually around your strap it goes around the you can get it around the metal strap portion of the ratchet strap and you can still ratchet the ratchet while it's Mm -hmm. around it and it keeps it from scratching the paint on your boat or on your whatever your your four-wheeler or whatever your truck your mother-in-law's china cabinet you know you never know you got to make that extra money yeah (laughs) so we're gonna start giving them some use yeah put them to the test yeah I wonder if those great are, guy. Those with the uh, regular ratchet strap would be better on my boat than them ones I got now. It'd be a heck of a lot easier to use. Cause they're, I mean, them, they're not bad. They're good straps. I mean, good and wide, and they got that pad behind them. Yeah. But uh, it's just a pain in the butt when you go to, when you're tying when I'm tying the boat and you're like trying to push down on it. <laughs> yeah. And get it. To I go. tell you what. I mean, they're quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's just because Briar's so short or what, but it looks he's getting so close to the microphone, it looks like he's going to eat it. I ate dinner already. <laughs> I had my one meal today, so I'm not that hungry. <laughs> so, man, it is, what, three weeks into Bose's now? In yeah. Georgia, and I have not step foot into the woods and I won't get to step foot it's the last weekend of bow season this weekend yeah it is dang it next weekend opens uh muzzleloader primitive weapons and then the weekend after that general gun I'm Georgia bound I'll be there too I can't uh next weekend I got Sawyer's wedding I've got a wedding next weekend as well uh, I mean both of us got a three of us got a wedding next weekend because I got the same one you got. Yeah. 
I had that one, but I can't. I ain't gonna miss. I I told yeah. Eric I couldn't go because I I can't miss Sawyer's wedding. I can't miss Eric's. I'm fairly important. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's gonna be a good time, regardless. Uh, and I am sad to not be able to go muzzle or hunt. But I am I know. sure glad that I don't have to clean that bag of muzzleloader. Oh, regardless. Of yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. I hate, hate, hate having to clean my muzzleloader. It is the thing I regret yeah. the most about muzzleloader season. Yeah, and that's why I, you know, really, I would like to to invest the money and and switch over to that federal fire stick. What is that? that? No. All right. So the federal fire stick. Uh, you're still loading it from the muzzle, loading your round from the muzzle, like a regular muzzle loader, and there's a shelf inside of the barrel that the bullet seats on, and then you get the federal fire stick, uh, and it slides into the breech, and it's, you can get it, I think, 100 and 150 grain charges, Yeah. and it's like a little plastic tube, and it contains all your powder in there, so it... You're going to have that tube, and then your primer goes in the back of that tube. Yeah. So if you don't fire it, it don't get dirty. The nice thing, too, is it increases the safety of a muzzleloader because it, it you increase safety factor and accuracy factor because those fire sticks are factory loaded. Yeah. Okay. So there's no, oops, I, how much powder did I pour in there? Or, you know, the Pyrodex pellets help with that, but the Pyrodex pellets don't burn evenly yeah uh, so you could get that federal fire stick and it's going to have that 100 or 150 grain charge you could use that in any muzzle loader no no it has to be in the, in the one set up for the federal fire stick okay okay yeah so i have to get in the muzzle loader sell the one you got yeah i mean i'm never going to find a deal like i find on that one but it is what it is guaranteed you could sell it and make a profit off off of it I after. Could, I could probably at, guaranteed I could I could break even on that joker. Yeah, I guarantee that for sure. Because <laughs> I I shoot a Thompson Center Encore Bone Collector Edition uh, with a nice muzzle loader scope on it, and I bought it. I wouldn't you, don't give out a price now because if any of our listeners want to buy it. I'm no. Used <laughs> yeah. At a gun store, used but never fired. For 150 bucks. Oh, you messed up, dude. Jacked that up to like 250. Yeah, bought it used for 200. Yeah. I'm an honest man. That's a that's a like a 700, 800 dollar muzzleloader. New. Yeah. With no scope on it. So I got a I got a good topic for us here. Yeah, bring it on. I am now. On the line for two hundred dollars to have a mallard killed opening day of season. Not gonna happen. Who's your other hundred dollars? Matt. Matt. Oh, oh, oh. That's what I said. I said I'm fifty dollars shy of being able to pay to mount it. <laughs> He's gotta kill it first, boy. Now, for y'all that aren't don't know where we're at, we are on the Atlantic Flyway. We live we we're hunting in what most would consider Central Florida. So, shy of going out to Disney and trying to sneak a gun through the gate and hunting out there, you're going to have to be hard-pressed to find a mallard. He's got to kill it without going to jail, too. Oh, I can do that. That's easy. I'll I'll kill it. He's strong. He can run. Yeah. (laughs) It's also a disadvantage to jail. (laughs) (laughs) So... Jordan, you're the only one that's done a bow hunting. Yeah, I don't. Me and Briar got out last week. Yeah. We scouted some good public land. We're going to come out down here in Florida in the Ocala National Forest and do some hunting. And that's, we didn't really get on the ground and scout as much as we scouted from the window. Listen. scouting and figuring out where yeah. we're going to stop and get out and go. But I think we're in a good spot to go from there. We've got a good heavy oak hammock right there. Yeah. Listen, I'm gonna tell you. If y'all have the opportunity, can you still buy that permit? You can still get it. I might get one. If y'all got the opportunity, I think we ought to camp out there. 
because I have a buddy that has a dang, I mean dang good striper hole. We can go out there, we can catch us some striper, cook some fish up for dinner. I mean, we got a tent at the house. Well, we didn't go in the way we originally talked about. You're going in from the uh, riverside. No. No? You might still be able to get to the striper hole from there. I don't know how. It's just a long run, and you can't run where we ran. Uh, He's run his boat all the way from the bridge, from the bridge to the river. See, they get out and push a couple spots, and the, the water way, way up. Now, well, I mean, the that was... Now, the problem you're looking at right now is, is there's a lot of spots in there where you, if you ran that river where it's real narrow, you could, you're turning the hairpin corner, and as soon as you hit just outside that corner, there's a log that's two feet across and four and two inches, at, like two inches sticking out of the surface, and it's dead center of the river. So if you barely hit that joker, it's going to throw you right into the bank either side of the boat you're coming off of. It's going to throw you into the bank. You're not going to... Just where that, that log is sitting, you can't run that river real quick. It was worse than knock the wall. It yeah. wasn't like that. I mean, there, we were idling down through there, and it was still knocking us off into the bank. Like one I, way or the other. I, I about had to get out and push the boat a couple of times off the log. <laughs> well, I have to figure out where his striper hole is in comparison to where y'all are. I do want to get out on striper hole. And it's nothing to say we can't. We can still explore where we were from the opposite end. Yeah. Uh, we still got time to talk that. about that, too, coming from that. Yeah. Coming I think you river. still have the opportunity to come there with a chainsaw, too, at that point. Man, some of them logs were just, I mean, just under the water. And you didn't see them until you were right up on them. I don't know where a striper hole is. But not like a, a, if I'm telling you, he went, he went this past weekend and said, caught every bit of 30. And they were of size, I mean, you know, as wide as, longer than your laptop of size. They were, they were good size striper. Well, I don't know about that. Just so y'all know, I don't have a very big laptop. It ain't no dang uh, lap book or whatever that little tiny thing you, that tiny thing you used to have was. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, they, they were, they were a minimum. I mean, I didn't see. I'm going to use 14 inches as an example, but they were all well over 14 inches. I mean, they were over a... Okay, so that's pretty, pretty good yeah. fight. Well, oh, I might be able to show you the video. I don't know. So, tell me about your, tell me about your gear hunt. You actually got out there and you played with the Axis camera arms and you were going to film some awesome footage put on YouTube. Yeah. But what happened? Tell everybody. Uh, I didn't have a memory card. And what else? <laughs> yeah. Didn't have my memory card, and when I finally had me a memory card, uh, I had stole one from a trail camera, and the trail camera had formatted the memory card so I couldn't use it to record. <laughs> I did, I saw some does though, and uh, it was good. I mean, I knew, I knew, I could basically go to that stand. I like your bottle opener. I could basically go to that stand any day. I mean, any. Guaranteed, if I go there in the afternoon, there's going to be the same three does there. If I go there in the morning, there's going to be the same three does there. Every time you go there, those three does are going to be there. Yeah. There's a good-sized doe in there, and I was going to bust her, but I had made the mistake of not having enough cover on my uh, on my lock-on. So every time she come out, first thing she did was stare straight at me. And then all she did the whole entire time was she would maybe look at we look away from me for two seconds, and then her head was right back at me. Mm. So I just didn't I didn't have the opportunity to get pulled back on her. I did actually uh, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday afternoon, I got my bow drawn back. As soon as I got to the back, she had stepped behind some bushes. As soon as I got drawn back. I didn't realize that she was watching me through the bushes. So as soon as I got drawn back, she kind of started stomping, and then she just bolted from the bushes from there. She come back out. All three does come back out Sunday morning though, but she kept it. She really kept an eye on me that time. The first doe I ever shot was a bow. Uh, the first deer I ever shot with a bow was a doe, 
and I had her, <clears throat> I set my climber up at an intersection of two fire breaks, and I was watching, and I had this hole right down through this scrub oak that was in front of me, and it was just like the perfect 10 yard hole. Like, I'm like, that right there, that's just where the deer should stand to be the perfect shot. But that never happens. So, I'm sitting there one afternoon. I'm watching this doe and a couple yearlings try to come across the field. That's not too bad. Yeah. Not a bad striker at all. Look at the dang cooler. Full of them. Shoot. That's what I'm saying. We should go camping. Yeah, I'm out of So back to the story. I'm sitting on the intersection of the fire break, and I'm watching these does come across uh, like an overgrown field. And I say field, it's not a real big area, just an open area in the woods. And they're coming towards that fire break, and sure enough, the two yearlings come out, they start feeding about 15 yards, and mama's kind of hanging further back. And then she walks out and stands broadside, 10 yards, right there in that hole. And when they started coming across that field, I already stood up. I'm getting ready at that point. And uh, she's standing there. She's got her head down feeding. I was like, all right, here it goes. I draw back. As soon as I hit full draw, she looked right at me. Boom, gone. Took off. Blowing, stomping, making all kinds of racket. Oh, my God. Let the bow back down. And I'm just standing there watching her at about 80 yards on the other side of this clearing standing in the woods, just mad as all can be. But I hear something coming up behind me, so I look back over my shoulder, and there's a yearling standing at about 30 yards. And I was like, ah, she's too small. And then, I, you know, she runs off, and she comes back. And this time, she comes 20 yards. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. She runs away. Comes back 15 yards. I'm like, all right. If she comes any closer, she's getting stuck. Because I say yearling, she's probably 110 pounds. Yeah, Georgia, that's a full-grown doe. Yeah, that's a full-grown doe in Georgia. I was in Kentucky at the time. And then she runs off again. I was like, all right, well, she's good to go. And then she comes back with mom. And I was like, oh, it's game on now, son. So they started coming in behind me. And I'm watching her. And they were. she was at 30 yards. And she got her head behind a pine tree. So I drew back and uh, I had to wait for her to take another step forward to get her body out behind the bush. And she did, thwack, poof, took off running. She didn't go but 50 yards, 50, 60 yards. Isn't that the one you took to the processor and you all proud of it or whatever? And the processor's like, why'd you shoot such a small doe? No. No? No. I thought that was, what was your Amish processor or whatever? It was like the first doe you had shot in Kentucky. That would have been the first one I shot in Kentucky. I don't remember that. But it could have been. It very well could have been. Yeah, you were like, damn, you were like, I would say, you were like, man, it's like a 150-pound doe. What do you mean small? Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was probably about 150 pounds live weight. And to me, yeah. growing up in Georgia, that was a monster. Yeah. And I went on to go later on and hunt in Kentucky and Tennessee to shoot does that dress out at 150 pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's some... Big deer up there compared to what we're hunting down here. Do you see? I saw uh, today on one of the one of the Facebook pages we're on. It might have been Run and Gun. Um, <clears throat> a new Kentucky crossbow record. I did not see that. It was like a, a two hundred and three eighths inch deer. Ooh. That's a big buck. Mm-hmm. Mm. AJ was out today in a spot where I missed that monster twelve with my bow. Yeah. Yeah, he said he already saw more deer more deer today than he saw the entire time he hunted in southeast Georgia. So he saw a deer. He saw deer. He saw deer from the tree stand on two hundred acres. Did he? Yeah. He's about the only one. He had a buck that's hung around like a like a little six point hung around for fifteen, twenty minutes, but never could he never would come out of the thick it's, stuff. It was during bow season too, during wasn't it? Season, he yeah. couldn't get uh, it. <clears throat> he couldn't get it out where he could get a shot. Yeah. And then when he did come out where he could see him good, he was at like 70 yards. He was back off in the corner where he killed all the pigs. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that corner, it was kind of real wet back there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I had to... I didn't know AJ got moved to Campbell. And I was, yeah. hoping, I was hoping to see AJ again this year when we went up duck hunting, if we got those permits. He said he'd drive back down. When do we, when do we really? Yeah. I don't know, dude. That's what I'm saying. we got to figure out when the draw is. I mean, all three of us are put in, right? Yeah. At least yeah. one of us has got to get something. <laughs> well, Me I and mean, Briar both got Merritt Island, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get to scout. Listen, yeah, I get I get to scout my M pond before Briar before I even got to go to my hunt because Briar's got an M pond too. Oh, yours is M pond too. Yeah, go to the same pond. Yeah. Well, hey, now we get to learn from the best. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks, a couple weeks before. Yeah, mine's January twentieth. Okay, it's about a month. Yeah, about a month after mine. So, because mine's December twenty third. Yeah, we get to we get to look we actually get to look around in M pond before. Before we go hunt it for my hunt, that's gonna be good. Yeah, yeah. But I had I talked to a buddy. Said we got a we got a good shot at some uh, dang like gadwalls and greenheads or not greenheads but pintails. Said it's yeah. late it's late season, so they should be moved down there by then. It'll be good. I'd love to do that. It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, the only problem is we could get them in the boat if we can hit them. Yeah. <coughs> <laughs> You gotta do the same thing with the boat, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta turn them both riding on that. Oh, I'll have that mallet in the boat, I can guarantee it. He says right now. I say it. Look, I've already discussed it. William knows where I'm going. I know where he's going. And the mallet there. Go ahead and go. Hey, listen, on the way there, on the way to the hole that morning, stop by the ATM, pull out 100. He still has to hit it. And find it. I'm telling you, stop by the ATM, pull out a hundred bucks. Don't believe it. <clears throat> That's fine. He says he don't believe it, but he wasn't willing to put a whole paycheck on it. <laughs> huh? Sounds like a scared man to me. Yeah. I ain't that scared. I just ain't willing to put my whole paycheck on it. I got bills to pay, man. Uh, two hundred bucks is two hundred bucks. You That's what I'm that. saying. Swing by the ATM. Yeah. We probably got a got a spot lined out right now, and I was gonna get into that. But you know, spot lined out for yeah. We went out. Listen, there's only one duck here, and I can't have you killing it before fifty. There's there's a difference in fifty ducks, and and I know Matt's hunting areas. I can go scout those lakes as well. (laughs) Go ahead, Skeeter Pond. We went out to Skeeter Pond to go just ride around. We'll have a good time. And when we got there, I'm like, man. Just pull up and have some backwoods somewhere and see if any birds come in this morning. We got there early enough. Yeah. You know, it's before daylight and we lost some boats. And it's like, you know what, that sounds like a good idea. Like, neither, neither one of us was going out there to scout. Not even intending to. And we go pull up there. Now, mind you, teal season closed the week before. We get up there just so everybody knows. And we get in there and there must have been 50 teal coming into the spot. I mean, it was like for a good hour that morning. Teal. That's frustrating, isn't it? And then, get this, we seen, there was a, a group flying up, now the same group together, there was two models and three teal all flying together. I've never seen two birds of different species, two ducks of different species like that flying together. Did I tell you, uh, the morning after teal closed, Monday morning, <clears throat> at the end of Teal I'm going to work and there's about a half dozen of them out there on the retention pond in the neighborhood yeah Teal yeah yeah and I've been seeing the same four models every single day I believe it I see the same group of models that in I your neighborhood there was Teal pond. yeah in that in that little retention pond right right there, there behind Opal's yeah yeah I've, I've seen here recently I've seen black belly whistlers in there I've seen the models all the time. I saw the models today when I was coming home. Those are house. neighborhood ducks. Uh, and, but they're not always there. I mean, that, that, those ponds aren't always holding water. Yeah, we're just so inundated with water right now, which is good because we can get to my spot. I need you and Matt to go scout that spot one Friday. The one off of... Yes, off that one river. Yes. Okay. Skeeter River. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that probably would have been a bad spot to go teal for teal. No, but I'm just I really I gotta get a hold of the game warden in Lake County see if I'm allowed to go there because those those no trespassing signs 
I have no, right now, I have no problem crossing them. So explain, explain your dilemma. Why yeah. you're where you're at, how the walls are written. Okay, so in the state of Florida, you cannot physically own water. It is not your property. So, well, let me rephrase this. You cannot own natural water. You can own a man-made pond. All right, so I have a spot that I get to via water and probably need a mud boat to get there. You definitely need a mud boat to get there or an airboat. I wouldn't, you can't get there in a, a regular outboard, but I get back into this spot. I go down this little creek and it opens up into a big marsh area. Well, as soon as you get into the big marsh area, you probably got maybe like a 50 yard by 50 yard square and there's no trespassing signs in that on two sides of that square because the other two sides are water and i want to go through there i want to pass the signs because legally they can't tell me that i can't be in that water but i want to clear it with the local game warden before i pass those signs as long as the game warden says, yeah, sure, you can't own water. I'm going to be like, yeah, you know what? So You guys aren't in the right. It's not disrestricted to a man-made lake. If you bought uh, 5,000 acres and in the middle of your 5,000 acres mm. was a 50-acre lake, mm-hmm. that's still, you own that. You own the property around it. You own everything around it, therefore you basically own the water. You, uh, you own the access to the water. But what you sure as heck can't own is the flowing water. Yeah. Now, granted, the creek, there is a, like, truck path through it, but it's still a creek. And my the bottom of my boat doesn't touch ground when I go through there. Right. It's just extremely shallow. I mean, you know, you could, like, when me and Briar went to Georgia and hunted, we drove my truck through a creek that was all the way up to the door. I mean, halfway yeah. up the doors. You can drive a truck through a creek. Right. But that doesn't mean you own that creek. Right. Did, uh, when you guys were up there hunting, did AJ tell you about the boys that were going back in there? I, I told him, the first time I hunted back there, that where you would have parked the boat under in that big oak hammock. Yeah. That water right there was so high that, like, AJ walked out in, in waders and was up to his chest before he ever got to the middle. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, the only way you're going to get through that to go hunt on the other side is to come through here in the jacked up snorkel jeep and put the boat on the roof. And sure enough, the next time we're out there hunting, here comes two good old boys in a jacked up snorkel jeep with a John boat on the roof. <laughs> and I was like, see, I told you, man, that's how they're going to do it. <laughs> You'd have had to wear waders in a cab to get to there. It was <laughs> I mean, they were up. He said it was up to the windshield. They Jeez. And they just come all right on foot out to the other side. And all we heard all morning, and that really, I mean, them guys were doing good because they ruined our hunt. Yeah. Because <laughs> the birds, you know, they were getting shot at well before they got to us, so they were coming across us too high. Where were, yeah. Did they go down that path that you put the drop the boat in? They were the John boat. <laughs> the John boat. Gotcha. They were that was those guys. So when the birds were flying through there real good, they were popping before they ever got through the timber. Because where we were at, the birds, we weren't on the X, but the birds were coming across the lake 15 feet off the water. Yeah. And in the morning, you know, they're coming one way, so you sit on that side of the lake, but they're coming at you in the afternoon, you switch sides, sit on the other side. And when they're coming back through there, going towards the roost, they're coming at you same height yeah. well when those guys were shooting at them further or closer to the roost than we were they were pushing them up above the tree line so when they would come across us they're coming across us that over top of the trees 40 or 30 or 40 feet up you know yeah a little too high i wouldn't be trying to shoot at instead of right there in our face but that was that was good i mean teal season was rough you i mean you had a pretty good hunt uh, early wood duck teal? Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't bad. We shot three or four. There was three of us. Tell us about it. Well, I mean, it's on. It's on the. Well, it wasn't bad. We uh, we weren't exactly on the X either. But uh, which is crazy. That that lake's kind of crazy. Um, cause like we hunted it last season, and we sat on one side, and the X would have been where we were sitting this season. But this season, the X was where we were sitting last season. And I don't think it's this season versus last season. It's today versus yesterday or today versus tomorrow. Versus yeah. That's like going yeah. out to, to Skeeter Lake out there, which we did multiple times last year. And we're like, okay, we sit here, and all the ducks are landing 100 yards that way. Like, all right, well, tomorrow we're going to go sit over there. We move 100 yards down the shoreline and sit, and then they're down back where we were yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a tough. That's a really good lake to be on, and I think we had we have potential to kill a lot of ducks out there. Uh, old run out of gas lake is what we call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Skeeter pond. <laughs> yeah. But the problem is, is that there's so much food and so much area, so much food over such a big area that the ducks are just they don't have to come to one spot. Yeah. Go here, there. The lake is the X. Yeah. So being. And there's so many. There's so many. I mean, that lake has that marsh in the back of it, which is where we hunted. But there's so many spots on that lake that you can hunt. That I think we just need to. This season, we need to just explore the lake and try and hunt separate spots. If one doesn't work, then we we don't ever go back to that spot. That might be something you want to look into, bro, on some Fridays and start running out there and yeah. sitting off that and really studying and find, figuring out where one Friday versus the other, where these ducks are landing, you know, seven out of ten days, they're landing in this general area yeah. versus another. Because that, as it start getting, it start cooling off. I mean, this, this, this year's already shaping up to be like we could have a killer duck season. The thing about sitting there a whole lot is, is we got other spots to check too, you know. So that's not the only place we need to be scouting. Yeah. I mean, well, I that's if other I've, that need to be checked out, you know. I mean, they got one that's right here. They got a spot that's not too far from the house here. Um, there's a place. Now I scouted it uh, one time. This other skeeter pond where I boat boat broke down and. I, I said I could see 10 wood ducks out in the morning. The morning I went out there to hunt it, I didn't see a single wood duck. Not even, you know, away from me. So, the wood duck. I mean, wood ducks, a lot of times they're around here, they're resident birds, but they still, you know, they migrate. Well, we get migrate. Sort of, you know what I mean? They, they, they float yeah. in to, they're gonna be, these wood ducks that are in this pond, you know, today, but tomorrow they're over here in this other one. I was saying, you know, one of the crazy not always flying in the same spot. And we experienced yeah. that in the early season because the day before I went out and I scouted that hole and I must have seen ten wood ducks coming into that hole. And what did we have? Two birds coming in on us. Opening morning there. Well, that was that same thing. It's like when we had that we had that hole in in Georgia. I mean, you you sat there with me. Yeah. You saw the fact that we saw. 75 to 100 birds in a matter of 30 minutes. Yeah. And then you went back with him, he didn't see anything. And it wasn't hardly anything there. You went back with Jordan, didn't see nothing. You know they were there. Yeah. I mean, there was one point where we were shooting and, and we were shooting so much and loading so fast that you busted your knuckle and bled all over my butt. <laughs> yeah. I tried to load your shotgun. Yeah. But, like, it just wasn't that way the year. I don't know if the the water was lower or if it was the water, if it was the weather, if it was a warm winter. Who, I mean, who knows? And like I said, these birds, even even wood ducks, even though they're resident birds, they don't always hit the same spot. No, like I said, though, I mean, people could have come out here the day before and busted a bunch of wood ducks. You know, you know what I mean? Right. It could have got shot out. So far, cross my fingers, knock on wood, whatever I gotta do. This year's weather. Is looking very promising. See, I really Dude, talk about it, the weather. Checking up would be nice. I wasn't going to talk about 
I, uh, what Farmer's Almanac, I'm just saying. Yeah. Not the but, first time we referenced it on the podcast. Yeah. But. So, I really hope it does shape and be promising because that Georgia hunt that uh, we all have put in for has potential to be, to kill some... Skeeter pond permit? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Here's what I'm going to say. If we're going to put in for permits on public land, I'm going to tell you where it's at. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah it's, but, it's Butler Island. The Butler Island hunt. Off the Maha. And off yeah. the Maha River in southeast Georgia. Now... That's a fun hunt. We, we, we did it. Me I ain't telling you what impound we get stuck on, but... <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. you show up that morning. That was fun. That was really that. that uh, honestly, to me, it, it absolutely poured rain on us the whole time. But I think, honestly, I'd say that was probably the most fun I've had in a hunt. I mean, birds were flying everywhere. We just didn't have the right impoundment that morning. That was pretty much it. We seen that one spot, and I, I swear, all it was the next impoundment over. Yeah. Literally, next impoundment over. Watch them land in there all, all morning, morning, just steady coming in. And the ones that we did have that we're going to land in our impound, either Briar sky blasted them. <laughs> that bird. Or the, guy, or the guys in the other impound sky blasted them. I was like, I ain't killed nothing. What does it matter? That's why he shoots that kick high flyer. Yeah. That shoots three feet to the right. <laughs> not, not with this business, Michelle, but don't, buddy. <laughs> we talk about how we figured out how the kick high flyer shot three feet to the right. <clears throat> we were out on Skeeter Lake. Dustin Trophy Birds. Yeah, Dustin right. Trophy Birds last year because nothing was, was coming in. Shooting shooting a good old coot. All right. Yeah. And that coot was what? 40 yards? It was a good little ways out there. And he shot, and I said, Briar, I said, you're about two feet behind that bird. <laughs> Send another one. Kaboom! I said, Briar, you're still about a foot and a half behind that bird. Send another one. Kaboom! You're still about a foot behind that bird. <laughs> and then Matt, is that your cousin's name? Yeah, Matt. He got into it with that thing. Uh, what do you have, a turkey choke in that shotgun? No, I had uh, uh, Carlson's Cremator. Yeah, well, that Carlson's Cremator lived up to its name because that coop moved yeah, up yeah. to about 60 yards and he laid him stone dead. He did. That <laughs> that sucker was on there. That one is in that Mossberg. That's. Now, that doesn't mean that the Carlson's cremator is going to work in your shotgun. He's still some pattern in your shotgun. So, uh, who are you taking with you in the, on the uh, uh, Gowana hunt? Who's going with you? Uh, right now, I believe uh, my, my cousin, maybe his wife, and that's about it. Do they have waiters? Uh, yes. Okay. I feel so, we will stash boats and, and, and wait somewhere. I know you, we both have you, a plan. You and your cousin's wife. Maybe, but I don't know. He might have to work, so I'm not sure. And then it's probably going to be me, you, and Craig Puntapanello. I, I apologize, Craig, if you are listening to this. I mispronounced your last name. Uh, of Deep Creek Waterfowlers. Okay. I'm excited. I really, I got, I, <clears throat> I've been looking into Craig's Facebook page, and I, I got a lot of questions for, for Craig. I'm excited to meet Craig. Man, if you got questions, send them to me. i got to get an outline for this guy, and we're going to get this podcast. Nothing. I think me and you talked about some of my questions for him the other night. Yeah. So, let's <clears throat> so let's talk about what's going on here at Unfresh Outdoors. So, this week is shaping up to either be either be this, this week's podcast or next week's podcast. <clears throat> it's going to be the last podcast uh, it's just going to be based off of a singular topic. This really didn't even have a topic, man. We, we just kind of last minute this one. But, uh, and then we're going to, so what's coming up, we've got the part two of the Backcountry Mule Deer Hunt with Tyke and Scott uh, after they've done their hunt and come back through the burning bush of fires throughout the western half of the United States. Um, We've got uh, Craig with Deep Creek Waterfowlers coming up, and then the one thing I am truly and deeply excited about is we're gonna run uh, what is shaping up to look like a four or five week series of podcasts. Uh, 
that's going to go by the title of something like Hunters of a Bygone Era. Uh, and we, Briar and I kind of came up with this idea just talking back and forth that we're going to get some gentlemen uh, who have hunted, who hunted different ways, it's all going to be different ways or different styles of hunting, different species, and we've got a, a fishing guide. All these guys have been doing this for longer than the three of us have been on this earth. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the fishing guide I'm, I'm in contact with. i got to give him a call tomorrow. But Shoot. Briar, he's, yeah, he's the fishing 80 guide years. has been doing it longer than me and Briar have been, been, on, this, been on this earth combined. Yeah. Um, the, he's, he's 80 years old. And uh, he is still guiding at 80 years yeah, old. My uh, my cousin is going to be our, our dog hunter. He's probably pretty close to been dog hunting since longer than me and you have been alive. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Uh, 65 years old, I'm, you know, he's yeah. pretty close to being there. So the point of that was to get out there and let's talk about stuff. Before the technology we know and love today has, has come around, I mean, I've seen some crazy technological advancements in my time hunting. I, I remember a time before trail cameras, you know, and oh, yeah. I remember when we had trail cameras and that meant we showed up to camp, we drove around, we pulled all the film, the physical film, drove to town, dropped it off at the CBS, <laughs> and then rode around town for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Waiting on the photos to get developed. And you think you're mad when you set your trail camera wrong and you get a bush moving back and forth and you got yeah. a bunch of digital pictures? <laughs> Wait until you just paid five, ten bucks to have them developed and that ain't nothing but nothing in there. Yeah. Oh. Or you, you know, speak like even that, I remember we we did it. We didn't do it way too often as kids, but I remember me and you dog hunting as kids and using those dang antennas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I seen quite a Quite a few people on the on the duck standing on the dog box waving that antenna around. Yeah, and then yeah. there was a time before that existed. Yeah. yeah, and you know back then too, they don't even have it nowadays. That was like uh, the pins, the catch pins. Yeah. When you caught somebody else's dog, you stuck it in the pen. Uh, they still have. That was crazy. For a while. Well, I don't want to get too deep into that because there's a lot of that that we'll discuss. Yeah. I think they finally. Uh, so I'll give you a brief summary of what we're trying to make happen throughout this five weeks. We're gonna have a a dog deer hunter. We're going to have uh, a traditional archery hunter. Uh, we're going to have, I'm trying to get a, a original glazeman, a, a gentleman who was a, around about the time they actually really started mapping the Everglades who hunted down there. <clears throat> we're going to get a fishing guide who's been fishing here in the state of Florida. Yeah, he's so he's around the Naples area. For a region. long yeah. time. And then we're going to get a duck hunter. Uh, this Well, we have a duck hunter. This duck hunter was raised <clears throat> or taught to duck hunt uh, by his grandfather, who was a market hunter in the early 1900s. So that's going to be just... And he still does his duck hunts that old-fashioned way today. I mean, he shoots a shotgun that was made in 1902. Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. We're talking guys that have spent, we're talking about a duck hunter who spent more years duck hunting shooting lead than he has shooting steel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm really excited to speak with this guide too. The, the guide, I, I kind of brought the idea of the guide, but to me, like, I've always been a huge fisherman. I, I love hunting too, but... To me, like, I've always been a huge fisherman as well. But just to see, like, what it was like to fish when people fished for, like, like a, like market fishermen, basically. And there was no limit on how many snook. I mean, you were taken, like, literally from the bottom of your skiff to the top of it, slap full of snook home. I mean, big snook. And that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. There, there were, you know. And but it's part of that is why we don't have that now. Right. So so that's I'm I'm really excited to be able to talk to him about that, and and what it was like to fish in that time. You know we do though. The I don't know if you guys keep up with the the red snapper 
count. They just did another red snapper count, and they come to find out that there's a lot of red snappers and grouper in particular that are hanging out in just open water in the Gulf. Yeah. So they estimate the red snapper, which we thought was in some serious danger for a while, they estimate the numbers to be as much as three times as many fish as they originally thought. Jeez. We're actually fixing to open a second red snapper season in the Gulf in the, floor, in the state of Florida. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. It may be open right now, actually. I, I forgot the dates, but that's just, that's conservation at work. Yeah. You know, we put a lot into that. So, which is awesome. You got to just keep up with that stuff. And, uh, I mean, I get emails every single day. Yeah. About stuff like that. And I sign up for that stuff so that I can stay current on what's going on. Uh, there was talk a while back. I don't know if they'll ever do it. There was talk a while back about them opening up. <clears throat> I don't know how they were going to do if it's going to be a lottery or a season or what, but for uh, Jewfish. That'd be cool. Goliath Grouper. Yeah, Goliath Grouper. Yeah. Which is, God almighty, son. I'd, whew, I'd love to bring one of them jokers back to score. In the mud boat, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I could... Listen, I mean, you you laugh at it, but you laugh at it. But there's there's people that catch those Goliath grouper off those fishing piers. I believe it. I do. I believe it. Yeah, they're there. They're underneath the they're underneath the bridges or hidden hiding on the pylons. Yeah. That'd be like. I am sure at some point, and there was there was something I hooked into in the Homosassa River when Dad told me not to fish. Don't fish here, it's the channel. And I'm just throwing anyway. And I hooked something that sent me for a ride. Manatee. Until he cut my line because <laughs> I was in the channel. And I was pissed. <laughs> I lost my like $2 jig or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I had something. He's like, You ain't got nothing. You're hooked, hooked on a rock. But I was bringing it up at one point. And it would run. I said, that's a fish or something. But I don't know. But those things are no places you think they are. Yeah, they're getting to be bad. I mean, they'll, they'll, you catch a fish, they're about like a shark. Delete your bait. They'll delete the fish that you have on the line before it ever reaches top. So, we're getting the under-pressure outdoors tip of the week. Brought to you by... The under-pressure outdoors tip of the week. Is brought to you by there you go. Ratchet Jacket. Don't ruin your grandma's antique dresser, your brand new motorcycle, or your gorgeous boat. Buy a strap jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so, my under pressure outdoors tip of the week came to me a few hours ago. And I was prepared for this. I came prepared tonight. I didn't. <laughs> Neither did I. And I'm guilty of doing this. And I, I catch myself trying to be more conscious of it now, but don't sit your tree stand in where, where the, you're directly facing the sun. Okay, and that's that's a tough thing to do. And I know we're all guilty of it, especially yeah. come about January when it's freezing cold and blowing wind, and there's nothing like just sitting there with the sun beating on your face, gets you good and warm. Yeah. But you are highlighting yourself. Yeah. True. So, and uh, I've done it during both season, and I've paid for it with a sunburn because that's the only place I can sit. But I would have been better off sitting on the ground and hiding somewhere better than I was than sitting where I was in the sun. That's the only tree I could get a timer on. So, pay attention to where you're sitting your stance. Don't be facing directly east, directly west. You want to get where you got a little bit of shade because that shade's your friend. The shade's going to make up for what your camouflage doesn't do. And the sun is going to expose what your camouflage is not doing. So, you always got to think about the wind. <clears throat> you, you want to play the wind. There's no better scent control than the wind itself. That's right. Because if the wind is in your face, it's blowing your scent away from the deer. No matter how hard you try, you can't eliminate every little particle of scent. It's something's going to be there, and you, you just need to play the wind. Yeah. So I'm going to be kind of 
I just come up with this off fly. I'll be kind of Captain Obvious here because I feel like I do this every single time I go hunt. All right. <clears throat> Double, triple, quadruple. I mean, if you got to check 15 times to make sure you got everything you need before you leave, do that. Because I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, you know, to where I'm setting my blind up or I've gotten to my tree stand. I'm like, hey, let me use this. Son of a gun, I don't have it. You know what I mean? That's like with my memory card. I got all the way out there to the stand, got everything set up, you know, got the camera set up, went turn on, tried to record, no memory card. I'm like, damn. If only I'd have double checked. So, one of the things I do to help, and this is much broader than what you're talking about, but I take all my hunting gear and it stays in the same box year round. And when I go to the woods, like we travel from Florida to Georgia to go hunt, I'll take the entire box with me. Because I know even in, you know, bow season, I don't need my winter stuff that's in that box. Yeah. But there may be something that I need, and I'm guaranteed that if I need it for hunting, it's in that box. My hunting stuff is my hunting stuff. This is my hunting stuff. And that's something that, you know, Dad always got on to us about as kids is, don't use your hunting jacket for this. Don't use this your hunting stuff for that. And he's right because eventually your hunting stuff gets so far away from hunting your, stuff. Your hunting stuff. Yeah. That when you go to take all your hunting stuff, part of it's missing. Yeah. <laughs> so if that means you got to buy an extra set of something, two thermosels. Oh yeah, that's a, good one. yeah. that's a cheap one. Yeah. That's that, that's one that. It, it, it goes and that is one thing I feel to yeah. yeah. Forget the goes everywhere with me, except for when I really need it. Then it's where I left it last time. Yeah, yeah. What do you got, Briar? I believe I got. Now there's a story that goes behind my under pressure outdoors tip of the week, and that is I'm sure. Actually, you have one too about this. And I'm sure you could tell it, but I think, anyways. Mine is don't ever forget to put the plug in the boat. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, he tried to sink my boat. Yeah, I, did. I tried to sink Jordan's boat. Anyway, so uh, the, the weekend we were going to Moorhead hunting, uh, opening weekend of Moorhead season, I get the ramp a little early, which I kind of just figured because you, know, you bring your son, you can sleep in a little bit for him, which I mean, ain't a big deal. But I'm like, well, Will ain't here. I'll go ahead and launch the boat and get ready. And I get everything ready but putting the plug in the boat. I, it, now, mind you, mine was still on the... I still had it on the trailer. So I get in the boat and everything, and I look down in the transfer, and I go, oh, crap, I forgot to put the plug in it. But see, I had the hook, that little hook that goes on the front of the boat on the winch there. I had that undone. And I just pulled the boat out of the water, drained the water out, and put the plug in. Back the trailer back in the water, and I get out of the truck to go launch the boat off the trailer, and there it is floating out in the middle of Skeeter Pond. <laughs> right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I don't know, at least it's warm enough, and I get down to my underwear and go swimming after my boat, pull it back up, and it was the whole thing there. So don't forget to put your plug in the boat. So my plug in the boat story, I uh, had borrowed Jordan. Jordan used to have, what was that? How big was that tracker? It's a 1448. 1448 tracker with a... 28 Subaru Mud Buddy. That was a good motor. Yeah. That thing ran like, never had a problem with it. But, uh, so I borrowed it one morning to go bass fishing. Uh, I was home on vacation and I wanted to go bass fishing, so... Bar the boat, go to put it in the local lake, and I put it in the water, and uh, get all my stuff in the boat, and I pull the car out. I have to go park probably 500 yards from the boat ramp. So the boat's just kind of sitting in the water, tied up to the dock. When I pull back over there, I'm like, dang, that boat's sitting awful low in the water. Sure <laughs> enough, the whole back end of the boat's full of water because they didn't put the plug in it. So now I gotta put the plug in it. I gotta go back to the car, 
pull it back over there, back it in the water, winch the boat back up on the trailer, pull it out, drain the boat out, put the plug in. My, yeah, and mind you, his genius self says, he calls me and he's like, hey, uh, where do you put the plug in this boat? Just <laughs> calm as can be. And I'm like, in the uh, in the back, there's like a little cutout in the subfloor on the back. You put the plug right in there. He's like, where's it at? I'm like, in the back. He's like, no, where's the plug? I'm like, oh, oh, it's in, you know, there's little like drain holes in the subfloor. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, because uh, this boat's taking on water pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? You He's have like, to yeah. Remain so, calm yeah. Yeah. In a tough situation, yeah. Right? yeah so he's like, yeah. So he's like, uh, he's like, oh, okay, get the plug in, and I'm like, he's like, I guess I'm just gonna have to take off and pull the plug and stick it in there, pull it out as I'm driving, then stick it back in. I said, where are you at? I'm still at the ramp. I said, turn the bilge pump on. He's like, I can't. I said, why? Water's over top of the battery. I said, "Dang it!" I said, "Put the, I said, put the dang thing back on the trailer and pull it out of the water and pull the plug out of it." And I think we have also come to the conclusion after this that he couldn't turn the bilge pump on because he hadn't turned the battery switch on. Yeah, I didn't turn, I didn't turn the master power on. I couldn't get nothing to turn on. I was like, ah, I'm gonna buy a new battery. <laughs> But no, I, had, I didn't have the master power on. I got the water out and I was like, well, it still won't start. And then I realized, oh, wait, wait a minute, I could turn the master power on, did that, and fired right up. So, but, you know, all's well it is. Yeah, right. you live and you learn. Yeah. You know, going swimming in the middle of Skeeter Pond in September ain't too fun either, so. No, man, I yeah. you, you know, <laughs> I worked floating out there and I'm like, oh, man. Where, where was that? <laughs> Like you. <laughs> I worked on a dock crew, and I built docks in February when it's actually God, decent yeah. in Florida. And the rule was, if you drop the tool, you swim for the tool. And I swam for the tool in February. It is not, yeah, not fun. At that point, when I was building docks, at that point, I said, if I dropped it, I'm buying. I'm just gonna buy you a new one. <laughs> <laughs> but hey. You know what? Make sure you guys are going on wherever you're listening to the podcast and you're giving us a review. That's how we're getting up further in that analytics, you know, when you're searching for an outdoors podcast or a hunting podcast. When you guys search that, it's going to push us higher up in there so we get more people listening uh, to us talk about absolute nonsense. Yeah. And But we have a good time doing it. And, you know, we're going to start bringing you guys some video content this year uh, where you actually see our faces. And I don't know if you guys watched the live video, but man, for for the duck hunt, it was a, a, a dang good thing that I don't that my phone fell backwards and not forwards because I probably <laughs> I knocked the phone off the mountain and it fell into the boat to the end of the water. That that would have been rough. So, but make sure you guys are going on giving us a review. Follow us on like us. Follow yeah, us say on hey, Facebook. we got a lot of people that like us on Facebook, but don't follow us. Yeah, if you like us, follow us. We've got over 200 people that like the Facebook page and only about seven that follow it. See, you guys are missing out on information. I didn't know there was a difference there. There, are, there is a difference. Yeah, you don't yeah. necessarily get the notification if you only like it. When you are liking the Facebook page, it may sometimes pop up in your news feed. When you are following the Facebook page, it will always pop up in your news feed. Yeah. And I'm posting good stuff. I mean, hey, I gave out. I told you. Right, where? Yeah, we try to get... 12-pound bass was. Yeah. All right, that was there. That was on the Facebook page. Yeah. It was up to you to take advantage of that. There were grid coordinates of where to find that fish. But if you weren't following it, you didn't see it. Yeah, Yeah, we give free stuff away all the time. Well, we try to, but, you know. I'm mailing out koozies this week. Yeah. Speaking of which, where is mine? You, you want one? Koozies. No, I don't. I'll get you one once we're over. I got one for you. I got some of the truck. Cause you you took my koozie to get a koozie. I don't even have my I own. Mine I don't even. I, I've had two separate them. personal koozies, and I've given them both away. I got one in the truck. Y'all have. I got one in Georgia. I don't. But I need we're one trying to give away koozies, man. If you 
guys really follow us, I'll start giving away. Yeah, we're in the midst of making a new logo, too, so. Yeah. We might throw a vote out to cast a vote on that. So you guys need to be involved and cast a, cast your vote on the new logo, what we really want to see and what y'all really want to see. We'll, we'll go from there. But until next week, this has been a, another episode of the Under Pressure Outdoors podcast.